0: you <laughs> to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. My name is Quentin, got my brother Travis with me as always, and we got a little sidetrack lined up today. We're going to step outside the school bus for a little bit, dude. Uh, We've been hanging out, listening to bands that we listened to in high school, but This one's going to be a little bit different, but that's all right. We'll hop back on the bus right after this sidetrack. Travis, do you know anything about this
1: band called Mutoid Man? I know nothing about Mutoid Man, Q. But every time I I hear it, or the name, every time I hear the name, I immediately get the song 21st Century Schizoid Man in my (laughs) head.
0: Yeah, me too, actually. Every time.
1: Yeah, which is...
0: King Crimson. King Crimson yes. A prog rock band, which is funny because they're kind of... These guys are kind of in the prog rock vein. Yeah,
1: let me tell you. Um, so since you mentioned that we were going to cover these guys, I have not I have not listened to them purposely, just okay. so I could come at this fresh. But I did look at the album art, and it is very um, psychedelic, space rock, pro- you know, progressive rock looking. The album art, at least. And, you know, Cave In... I don't know if we actually used the word, the term space rock on our last episode, but Cave in, uh was classified as a, or at least Antenna, a space rock, progressive rock album. I know that the record that came out prior to Antenna was definitely space rock. It was called Jupiter. They even they even named it after a planet, right?
0: Yeah. But anyway,
1: uh, so yeah, I'm not surprised that that he is involved in, in, a, in a similar type of project, right?
0: Yeah. So let's... Backtrack a little bit. And we're going to kind of fly through this episode. Travis has got some uh, work stuff to do here. So this one's going to be short and sweet. I got some websites to launch, Q, as as the saying goes here. That's uh, exciting, dude. Cave In. So that's who we covered last week. Uh, we specifically focused on their album Antenna, which came out in 2003 on RCA Records. Uh, lead singer of that band is named Steven Brodsky. And the conclusion that we came to and the way that they see it as well. Antenna was quote unquote corporate cave in. So if you listen to albums of theirs that came out before Antenna, they were a lot heavier and they were a little bit more in the metal core vein, uh, more screaming, you know, way more uh, heavy on the distortion and much faster tempo, you know, just more intense songs. A lot more um, hopping and squirming. A lot more hopping and squirming. Uh, and that's really, like, this is what that's what they were wanting to do the whole time, you know? And, like, Anten- Antenna was just a an opportunity for them to get on RCA Records. And, you know, they were young and naive, and they learned from it. But as soon as they got off of RCA, their, their very next album, they jumped back into that more heavy stuff.
1: I mean it's kind of a good thing that they they didn't sign like a 5 album contract or something like that, you know. Yeah, you know I don't even I wonder if they if they broke their contract.
0: Yeah. I bet you they didn't. You know what dude, cuz remember we mentioned last week that uh that album just didn't do as well as RCA thought, you know? So maybe it was a let's see how your first album does right. kind of thing and then, and we'll, then we'll go from there. We'll, yep. So uh Before and after RCA Records, they were signed to a record label called Hydrahead Records. Uh, Have you ever heard of a band called Isis? I feel
1: like I have seen them pop up. Well, I'm
0: asking you because they are apparently a uh, post metal band that kind of helped like pioneer and evolve the new, you know, like I guess the post metal sound in the late '90s. Um, The owner of Hydrahead Records. Is a guy named Aaron Turner who was the frontman of ISIS. Reason I bring that up is because that was one of those smaller record labels. And, you know, it was, it allowed Cave In to just go back to their roots, do what they wanted to do. And that was with their album Perfect Pitch Black, which we mentioned last week. Stephen refers to that as the grave marker of the death of corporate Cave In. That was in 2005. Same year, he starts doing stuff under Mutoid Man. Uh, Actually, no, I'm sorry, dude. I'm way off on that. Um, I'll get back to that year later. Um, But uh, Steven was playing with a guy named Ben Kohler, uh, who was in Cave-In around 2005. And this guy later jumps back in and plays alongside him with Mutoid Man. Uh, several years later. Mutoid Man, their first album was in 2012, so not that long ago. Did you do
1: any sort of research, Q?
0: No, dude. I mean, kind of. You know what? I'm reading the Wikipedia page today. Trying to keep it short and sweet, dude. The whole point I'm trying to make is I feel like this is the kind of stuff when we jam out to some Mutoid Man a little bit, I think this is what Steven's been wanting to do since day one. Uh, When you listen to Old Cave In and you listen to Post Antenna Cave In, it is in this vein but mutoid man just kind of cranks it up even more it's really fast paced more technical almost like math rock kind of stuff really crazy uh time signatures and stuff like that um so anyways dude i'm rambling like led zeppelin here <laughs> <laughs> that's a good that's a good reference <laughs> uh let's play some tunes dude we only got one song to play so they have three full length albums uh, well, their first album is technically an EP. It was only like five or six songs. So the song that we introed in was from their first EP, Helium Head. That song was called Narcissist. We're going to jump a couple years to their first full-length studio album called Bleeder. And we're going to play a song called Reptilian Soul.
1: Right Q. You asked me when the mics were off, if I was reminded of somebody, right? Lay it on me. Queens of the Stone Age.
0: Fuck yeah, dude. That's why I wanted to play this song.
1: Big time. I love it, man. I love that kind of shit. Yeah, so and, I mean it, as far as as far as genres go, I mean that's that's desert rock, stoner rock, right?
0: Yeah. Uh this one but so this this song's a little bit different than a lot of the stuff that you'll hear through the rest of their records. Uh there is some heavy screamage on a lot of these songs, but yeah, I just like, I, I just love that. It's got those Josh Homme vibes, you know, the, Oh uh. yeah, definitely. I have always loved that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's cool to hear, um, you know, cause I think we kind of mentioned this last week, but antenna is like kind of the, the beginning and end of my knowledge of cave in. Like I never listened to any of their older stuff, never listened to any of their newer stuff. So it's nice to hear what what he's up to, what Steve's up to, right?
0: Yeah, and you know, if you look on according to Wikipedia, Cave In is still active as a band. Well, they're, so they're putting he's, out relatively new material. Yeah, so he's he's doing doing stuff in both bands. Um, so I think I mentioned to you earlier, Trav, and this is very telling. I found Cave In's official Bandcamp page. If you go to their discography on Bandcamp, Antenna's not even listed on there. So they would like to just pretend like that. Never even happened. And when you listen to, to this Mutoid Man stuff, uh, the outro song I'm going to play is another Cave-In song. It's obvious that, you know, as as much as we love Antenna, that was a totally different thing. It, you know, it was Steven flexing his his songwriting skills, I think. He's more like structured... I don't want to use the word pop, but, uh, you know, it works like pop songs in, you know, in the radio format kind of way. And I th- he was just doing it for RCA just to please the record company. Well, this is I what mean, he,
1: this is what he's all about. It's interesting to, to, to ponder that question, Q, of why did they do it? Because, like, obviously, if if they, you know, the idea is when you sign to a major record label, your intent in doing that is to get more successful. And yeah. sell more records, and do more touring and stuff like that. So, I mean,
0: with with some of the interviews that I watched, they admit that like we were naive. Um, you know, they shined a bunch of nice looking stuff at us. Like, here's all the stuff we can do for you. It was very enticing to them, I guess. You know, so they they took the bait.
1: Every band has. It seems like every band has their horror story dealing with a major record label. You know what I mean? And then, yeah, what happens next is kind of. Differs, right? Because I mean, I, the, the reason I mentioned the RCA and, and the record, the record, like the contract is the strokes were signed to RCA, right? And they had for a long time. Yeah. I think they had a five record deal. And so, like that fifth record, Come Down Machine, which came out in 2013, that's why they put the giant RCA logo on the front of the cover. Cause they were like, I
0: thought that was a cool cover. Yeah. They made it kind of look like a generic uh label
1: cover right yeah if i remember but but they they purposely made the rca logo bigger than their own name for that very reason of like you know that's that's telling as well yeah we're done done finally man. yeah we're done here this is our last this is our last record under rca and then the very first record or i'm sorry the very first track on the record is called tap out right yeah that's, that's what they were, that's what they were, so I, I just didn't know if that was like standard with RCA when they signed bands, you know, but either way, Cabin was like, they, they, they were one and done basically, you know, they're like, nah eh, this is not for us. And I bet you that's yeah. true for so many bands, man, where it's like, I need more autonomy, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, Trev, do you have,
0: we got time? I want to play, let's just play a little bit more of another, another Mutoid Man song, just real quick. Uh, I've always got time for you all right all right good 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 uh let's see I'm gonna try and find one with some screaming some screaming screams uh I think all right, so let's try lost in the hive. <laughs>
1: Yeah, there it is. Love it. So yeah, you know what this album is, Q? This is a, or I guess I should say, what this band is. This is a jam band, dude. Yeah. This is a. Let's just get into a room, and just crank it up and see what happens. Like I would love to see these guys live if Fuck yeah, we're ever man. gonna get an opportunity to see bands live again, which we will. I have. Hope. I'm, I'm holding out hope for that. Uh, this kind of like.
0: Super fast-paced, technical, kind of heavy stuff. Kind of reminds me of uh, Mars Volta, or maybe more specifically, at the Drive In. Um, Do you ever get into those guys at the Drive In? Well, I guess I mean specifically the the brothers, no. uh, the Lopez boys. I think that's their last name. Um, well, they're they're the Mars Volta came from. At the drive-in, and it was started from uh, Omar and Marcel, their brothers. Anyways, dude, fast-paced, heavy, kind of prog experimental stuff. If you like Mutoid, man, you'd probably uh, dig some Mars Volta and or at the drive-in. Anyways, dude, so, yeah, that's all I got for you, man. Short and sweet today. Nice. Uh, Yeah, but hey, before we jump into our what you heard, let's take a quick break. we're back all right dude it's the beloved what you heard segment uh i'm gonna let you go first this time dude so what you got for us man what you've been heard lately
1: all right q i'm curious to know if this popped up on your radar as well because we are both mega fans of this group we did an episode on them we talked about uh about their album a data learned the language Oh shit, dude. I I I have no news on this band. All right. Well, strap in, dude. So, The Mercury Program is a speaking of math rock. Yeah, speaking of math rock. Good timing, right? Mostly instrumental um math rock band, which, you know, math rock gets kind of thrown around. Uh, I've learned over over the years of of kind of looking into math rock and whatnot that the term is is usually reserved for something very specific that I would say Mercury program doesn't really fit into. But I think we call them we call them math rock because of their you know complex yeah the complexity to their their
0: song structures and like the their crazy time signatures and stuff exactly. But like you were saying, like think of them and then think of a band like Foles who we've also covered right also math rock. Yes. Um yeah, totally different
1: vibes for sure. But math rock can get get the full like spectrum to like crazy town with like time signatures and shit. Anyway, Mercury Program for the most part is an instrumental post-rock group. And so, uh last week they released on streaming services their self-titled debut record which came out 21 years ago in 1999. If you're if you're a die-hard Mercury Program fan, I consider myself a, a diehard Mercury fan, but I didn't realize that there was a record that came out. I probably could have if I, if I tried hard enough, it's, I'm sure it's, it's been out there, but now it's more readily available. It's on Bandcamp, It's on Spotify. Uh, and man, it's great, dude. Uh, what I like about it is, you know, by the time you get to data, learn the language, a data, learn the language. It's hard to say, you know, <laughs> they are, they are very much kind of a, a jazz oriented instrumental rock band. If that makes any sense. You know, if you go back and listen to our episode on that, I think you'll see what I mean. I mean, they've got a xylophone, they've got the xylophone and stuff like that, right? But on this self-titled record, it's a little bit heavier, which is really great. Cool. So it's Mercury program, but it sounds like a record that came out in the '90s. So anyway, we're gonna listen to the second track, and I did this last week, and I'm gonna have to insist that we do. It. I'm gonna have to insist that we do it again, Cube. We gotta listen to the whole track because the best part of this track is the la- very last moments in the song. So all right strap in this is a a three minute ditty by the mercury program came out in 1999 this album or this song is called traveling at night <laughs>
0: Why we listened to the whole thing Dolce that would have been a fun uh era of mercury program to see live dude
1: yeah and so what's interesting about it i kept saying that they're instrumental uh there's a couple tracks on here where he's doing almost like a spoken word thing i'm not sure which member of the band is doing that
0: yeah i didn't want to freaking drag on this for too long but i was going to ask you like because you kept saying uh mostly instrumental band i'm like I, I haven't heard them singing any songs so right it's
1: really only on this this first one i mean i i admit i haven't listened to their their record that came out prior to like i haven't listened to all suits began to fall off oh actually you know what there might there might be some, there may be something on there some of that in there too but i know on the self-titled record he's doing like a spoken word thing that's really interesting cool um cool. yeah so anyway um it's it's one of those i mean if you're a mercury program fan you have to listen to it I've been a fan of everything they've ever done, so um they're—I mean—they're kind of like—I feel kind of like Spoon, the, the way I feel about Spoon. Just to throw them in there, because we try to—I'm going to re- yep. I, I'm gonna try to <laughs> reference them every episode now, dude. If I can, all right. Um, I think we can do that. They can do no wrong in my eyes, right? So
0: yeah. Anyway, it, no matter how much their sound evolves, yeah, they exactly. can do no wrong. Same with Mercury Program. Um. All right. Cool.
1: That's awesome, dude. I'm excited to give that a listen. Yep. It's good stuff. All right, man. What have you been hurting?
0: All right. So, you know, this is our back to school segment. We're still we're still hanging out on the school bus. Uh, we started a few weeks back with Blink-182, trying to stay in the early O's uh, era of tunage. Bands that we used to listen to in high school, right? Uh, I really wanted to play some Mutoid Man. So this sidetrack is specific to Cave In, but... I was very close to doing a sidetrack on a band called Every Time I Die. So, let's paint a little picture, dude. Uh,
1: get, the, get that brush Little on. Little emo cue boy. There is visual photographic evidence of you from this era where you How look you at gonna... that and you just say, uh, God, I look at it. that little emo kid right there. I know,
0: man. And you know what? I'm far enough removed from it now, I can admit- I mean, you dude, didn't, I started. Da- Listen, man, I started dating a girl I, You were in that, that emo scene. I know, man, I, I and mean, so
1: I, I was there. I remember it. <laughs> but let me just say this: you didn't go full okay. blown. I I didn't go, you didn't full, go blown. full blown emo, but you 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 dip you dipped your toe in it. You know,
0: there are some pictures that are pretty damn cringy. Yes. But yeah, dude, I started like uh, freaking straightening my hair so that it could be you know classic combed over my eye uh, spiked it in the back and like wore freaking like girl jeans and dude we've all done we've all done st- stupid stuff for for love you know well look the style like clothing style and all that stuff I admit it was kind of peer pressure I started hanging out with people that's, that dressed like that mm-hmm. but I really did get into that kind of music sure and it was because I was shown these bands from my girlfriend at the time and her friends. Uh, And then I kind of stopped listening to it. So it was a very small window of time in my life where I was into really hardcore screamo bands. And Every Time I Die was one of them. I can remember writing on the CDR in Sharpie uh, Every Time I Die with the album name Hot Damn, which came out in, I want to say 2002, yeah. Uh, so this is the one album of theirs that I know... I think this is kind of a good transition because next week we're going full on like one of the saddest breakup like emo uh, albums that I've ever heard. Um, We're going to cover Emery next week, but we'll we'll dive into that a little bit. Let's play a quick song from Hot Damn. And uh, I just want to warn you, there's going to be some screaming. Okay, nothing but screaming. I think this is a good a good uh, primer for what's coming next week. I think you're going to like it, dude. So this song is called Ebola Rama. Ebola
1: Rama. That's right. So here's the thing, we're going to, you know, we're going you know, to dive into this next week. That's not nearly as angsty as the band we're talking about next week. No, but what that is, is it's just metal and punk rock like fused together. At least that is, you know, yeah. what I mean? and that's so kind of that's
0: metal. That's metalcore, dude. That's yeah. what metalcore is. There you go. Uh, Punk and metal. And it's good shit, dude. Yeah, like, I I'm it. getting back. I'm kind of getting back into it, man um so anyways yeah that was a song called ebolorama by a band called every time i die
1: all right travis you want to tee us up for next week okay so next week we are talking about a little band called emery and their debut record the week's end as in w-e-a-k the week the week's end and like he was saying it is possibly the most emo that this this podcast uh, it's definitely the most emo we've we've gone so far, and we may never get get this emo again. But we're gonna have to
0: like talk about this again because you know all there's lots of different flavors and uh, different waves of emo. Um, but yeah, I think this album, the week's end, is that I think it's the emo that most people think of when they think of that genre, you know. It's pretty heavy. There's quite a lot of screaming. (laughs) And the lyrics are mostly about heartbreak, you know, and angsty shit that that you go through when you're a kid or, you know, when you're a teenager, when you're coming of age. Um, But there is something about this album, dude. It's another one of those examples, kind of like what we said with Cave In. This is not an album that I revisit simply for nostalgia. It is up there for me. One of my favorite albums of all time. Something about it, dude.
1: Yeah, this will be an interesting conversation about this type of music because I think it's really easy to to poke fun at it and be like, eh, It is. Let's, look at all listen how corny that is. And right. you know, if you if you don't appreciate it for what it is, then yeah, it is pretty corny, right? But if you look at it as a as a piece of artwork, Q, if I'm be that bold or whatever. You you may, you may, sir. As far as like the story that's being told, the emotions that are genuinely being conveyed, then I think you can appreciate it for how effective it is. And now we're jumping the gun. We should save all this conversation for next week. But yeah. I'm really, this
0: is another one of those albums, yeah. dude, that from from the beginning of the idea to do this podcast, this was on there for albums that we absolutely have to cover
1: yeah and i think i think there's there's moments in multiple songs probably the songs we're going to talk about that do the same sort of thing that that breath of water did for us last week with cave-in where it's a it's goosebumps yes it's a moment that is that is uh pulled off in such an effective way that you actually feel something or at least you should
0: if you're if you're if you're a music fan, then my guess is music moves you in that way. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, dude. I, I can't wait to listen to these tunes, man.
1: Yeah. All right. So, that's it, dude. Let's wrap it up. All right. So, as we always say, you can find us on our website, nofillerpodcast.com, where you can find all of our previous episodes going back to episode one. Every episode has track listing and sources cited, so you can kind of dig in a little bit deeper. You can see all the tracks we played, including our What You Heard's. If you want to listen to every What You Heard that we've ever talked about on this podcast, we now have a Spotify playlist that we are throwing these tracks onto every week. So if you subscribe to that, well, I guess it's not subscribe. If you follow that playlist on Spotify, then you will get to hear... The what you heard choice before uh, the episode drops, right? Because we put it on like I'm, I'm watching Quentin do it right now. He's he's putting that Mercury program track right onto that playlist. That's right, dude. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You'll get a sneak peek of our what you heards before the episode drops, and um, yeah, kind of in the spirit of of what you heard. It's very random. We bounce all around genre wise uh on 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 this uh this segment that we do so it's a good playlist for just random music just hit shuffle and 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 let it ride basically uh and you can also uh find us on our podcast network that we are a part of pantheonpodcast.com where you will find plenty of other great music content music podcast content um yeah lots of great stuff on that if you follow the pantheon feed Basically, you'll get all of our episodes plus every other show that's on the network. It's sort of a way of of just hitting play and then going from show to show episode to episode. It's a great way to um to really kind of see what the what the network has to offer so Q, you got an outro lined up for us I do so remember I said we would we would uh circle back to the year two
0: thousand five um when cave in got dropped from RCA or when they left, whatever the case was. And they started writing material for Perfect Pitch Black. Uh, they released a cassette single which I honestly, the only reason I did this for the outro is because I love that word. And I just discovered it. Ca-single. It's a single on a cassette tape. And they released uh, A and B kind of cassette with two songs. And he mentions... Um, when talking about kind of the origins of Mutoid Man, uh, so I had mentioned that that they had a, a guy named Ben Kohler uh, in cave at the time, who plays drums. He later joined Mutoid Man, and Stephen Broski says, the material picks up from where we left off with the cave Shapeshifter Dead Already single. So, basically... He gave Ben Kohler a call and he said, hey, remember that, you know, awesome little K-Single? Remember those vibes we were jamming to and during uh, those cave-in years? Let's fucking try that again, you know? So we're going to play a song from that cave-in K-Single that, again, came out in 2005. Uh, it's a little bit more on the heavy mutoid man kind of side. So uh, we're going to close us out with that. It's a song called Shapeshifter, and that's going to do it for us today. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. My name is Quentin. My name is Travis. Y'all take care.